fucking around, Will. Nope. Welcome, welcome to That's Good Sports Podcast. I'm Brandon Perna here with at Will Keys 6 on Twitter. His real name is also Will Keys without the six on it, but No, I, I'm the sixth. Yeah, that would be it's cool. My suffix. I so many just such a rich history history of, of Will Keys. And it is super it is it is Super Bowl week, Will. We are yep. middle of Super Bowl week. Uh, and then next week we'll have a post Super Bowl podcast. Both virgin Hopefully. territory here for us. Yep. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. This is our first Super Bowl together. Yeah. I think this might be episode forty for us. I can't uh, I can neither confirm yeah. or deny that. I think it I think uh, you're right. Episode forty. So like it's almost a cool milestone, but not quite. Uh it will be in ten episodes. Yeah. It would have been cool if this was episode fifty three, you know, to match Super oh, Bowl fifty three. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to speed up our process. Oh uh, here's what we can do. We can only record uh fourteen times in the next year. And oh, then we'll okay. have episode fifty four for Super Bowl fifty four. Right, and since yeah. the Broncos will be in that Super Bowl, it'll be really, really yep. cool. Oh, we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot to talk about. So much. Like today, we've got uh, Broncos, some Broncos stuff. The Hall of Fame boats are coming in uh, this weekend, so we'll see if any of the Broncos get in. And then, of course, our Patriots versus Rams Super Bowl predictions, our thoughts on the game. Everything that everybody has already said, but Will and I are going to say it better. Yep. And we're going to say some things that nobody else said. So, like, just listen to the words we're using about football and know that the, it's better. So, All of my takes are just a, a combination. Like, take all of the information that I absorb over the course of the week and you just mash it into, like, one, like, neat container of takes. And that's basically what I'm serving you in this right. podcast. Right. Um, speaking of, say, uh, n- really neat takes, I want to yeah. start with the most important, not just sports story of the week, but news story and maybe human story. And that... Uh, Post-human that, story. Right. That was a tweet from Jose Canseco. Yeah. And... He, I mean, it's not just one tweet. He's got a <laughs> a series of tweets about uh, aliens and time travel. And if he's right, like this is this is breaking news, Will. Yeah, I mean, when you think about time travel, like you expect, uh, you know, a noted you know, scientist or physicist to be the first one to break, you know, huge news about it. It just so happened to be former Oakland A's outfielder, Jose Canseco. That's giving right. us this news. And it started seven hours ago when Jose Canseco tweeted, aliens have been trying to teach us how to time travel, but mm-hmm. first we have to change our body composition, which we are not willing to do. We have tried with animals <laughs> and it has failed. Then he goes on, time travel puts 42,651 pounds of pressure on a human skeletal structure. Can you detach the brain from the body and equalize the pressure? It could be done. Uh, well, he then, brings up a good point. He brings up a good point. 
our science is totally irrelevant to aliens. So, um, I mean, we are in communication with aliens with a very flexible body composition called the AI-51. I mean, first of all, I would say if you don't follow Jose Canseco on Twitter, it is a must. Yeah, time to start. <laughs> A must, a must do. And then there's uh, some pictures of a golf club that yeah. uh, apparently he likes. I don't know. I should they... say that like, I Jose Canseco played before my time, and my first exposure to him was uh, being an extremely normal baseball player on The Simpsons, and like he probably had the most heroic of the um, eight misfortunes. I guess there are eight out of nine misfortunes because nothing happened to Daryl Strawberry uh, in that Simpsons episode, Homer at bat. And he gets uh, stuck, like rescuing a woman from a burning burning house, and then rescuing a, a baby, and then just like gradually like taking every piece of furniture out of the burning house. <laughs> right. uh, so that's really all I knew about Jose Canseco for a while. And then he wrote uh, the book Juiced, which like just out outed a bunch of uh, baseball players, like contemporary baseball players of his, for doing steroids and other illegal activities. And so I was like, mm, I don't know if I like Jose Canseco. Uh, and then he shot his finger off uh, with a handgun on accident. I'm like, I think I like Jose Canseco again. And now he tweeted this, and now I really like Jose Canseco. Yeah, I feel like we need to we, – we have to do a Jose Canseco episode yeah. very soon. Maybe get him as a guest. Who knows? Yeah, his booking information is right on his Twitter. So, for appearances, call Morgan. 702-374-3735. Sounds like a call I'm going to have to make. My uh, first, I guess, question would be, because he juiced, right? He yeah. outed people, but he was a juicer. Mm -hmm. So uh, is there a relation between taking steroids and an increased belief in aliens? You have to um, wonder, really. Uh, we should just like take an informal poll of like, uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, uh, Rafael Palmero, Roger Clemens, and just like just ask him like yeah. various extraterrestrial questions. And I think line up with. Jose. I think our our big off season project. Uh, it yeah. could be the the um, do baseball players who have also taken steroids believe in aliens? The documentary by Will Keys and Brandon Perna. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone probably just should have asked Julian Edelman uh, at media night. Oh yeah, Monday. yeah. I bet, I bet, hmm, I bet Gronk believes in aliens for sure. Mm -hmm. And when I say, but I like, I believe in aliens. Will like, I believe that there's some sort of there's like just by by the numbers alone that there's some sort of uh, yeah. No, I, I do too. Another organism out there. Do I think aliens have visited um, Earth? No, no, but. I'm saying Gronk is a guy who probably would say aliens have visited Earth. I think Edelman open to the possibility, but maybe I would say he he would be on the fence. Mm, he's been probably more open to the possibility uh, after that suspension. After that, uh, a miraculous knee recovery, right? Yeah, correct. Right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Shouldn't say suspension. That's bad. Uh, well, yeah, we I guess need the, more, the world needs more open thinkers like Jose Canseco. Is right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, check out check out his alien tweets. Um, Such a weird way to open this. <laughs> I just it's 
Like, I just want to read the rest of his Twitter instead of doing this podcast right now. <laughs> if, we call, if, we call, if we colonize the moon, I should be president. <laughs> moon President Kinseiko. Holding his state of the moon address. You don't need a wall. You need android robots. <laughs> Invest in space travel. I think we do. I think we already do that. Oh, shit. Okay, so uh, that will conclude our Jose Canseco news. Might have to turn into a weekly yeah. occurrence here. Um, but I'll get him on, like I said. I, yeah, I think the, the big thing this weekend, for the Broncos anyway, is that Pat Bowen, Champ yeah. Bailey, Steve Atwater, John Lynch, all could – well, not all of them won't, but any one of them could get nominated – into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If yeah, I think Pat Bowen's gonna get in. Like I do too. I feel like that's a done deal. Which one of those three do you think will get in? And which one, if you could only put one in right now, would you put in? Uh, I think the my answer is the same for both questions. I think it's Champ Bailey. I, I think he's like the definition of a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he was, I, I think he was probably the best corner in the NFL from 2004 to what, like 2009 or 10. I mean, a lot of guys would argue, uh, Darrell Revis, but I don't know. I, I think obviously like if you put champ Bailey in New York, then he becomes a much more ho- high profile cornerback and he wasn't like a very outspoken guy not that Darrell Rivas particularly was either uh, but he's just kind of a guy that like never really said much uh, wasn't very like aside from like two years where he had big interception numbers in 2005 and 2006 like he didn't have super gaudy numbers aside from that just because guys like didn't even think about throwing to him and I bet if you asked guys like uh, Peyton Manning Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who they had to game plan for most, I'd say uh, they'd give you three guys, Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu, and Champ Bailey. And Ed Reed's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Polamalu maybe, probably should be in the first or second year. Bailey, I think, uh, hands down first ballot yeah troy palomalo was so good that yeah you're right ben roethlisberger even game planned for him true (laughs) in practice oh uh no i mean if miami of ohio ever played usc back when they were both in college i I think i don't think they did (laughs) i think uh i think you might be right in that champ might get in but I would if I could only put one of those guys in, it would be it would be Steve Atwater. Just because I think Champ yeah, Bailey I'm, I'm will I think he'll get in next year if he doesn't get in this year. Um and I think it's hard to put John Lynch in before you put in Steve Atwater because basically like Yeah, they're fairly similar. Right. And it was like and I've done multiple videos about why Steve Atwater should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it obviously didn't help him get in, but he's the guy this this weekend that uh, we'll know what is it Saturday evening we know who yeah. the guys are. 
Um, fuck. So that means I need to get a, I, I, I need to have a video ready. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll do that. Yeah. I'm hoping it, it's at water. I think like, I think his stats are crazy for the time period he played in. He was a safety like linebacker hybrid in terms of like how many tackles he had. Uh, obviously like the way he played the game was just so violent and for a guy to play as long as he did. And like, you, I think he just paved the way for guys like John Lynch. So, and he was my favorite player growing up, uh, <laughs> you know, probably taken over maybe by champ Bailey at some point, but if they were to both get in with Pat Boland, which won't happen, that would be the sweet trifecta. And then John Lynch can get in later. Like he, he's a GM yeah. right now. He just, there's no rush to get him in, you know? Yeah, like you feel like he's got enough visibility. The only like problem with Atwater and Champ Bailey, Champ Bailey especially, like you don't hear from him ever. Like he goes, yeah, he goes on Colin Cow, or he did go on Cowherd's thing every now and then to like talk shit about Tim yeah, Tebow. So. But <laughs> you just don't like, yeah, you just don't. Um, you don't. He doesn't say very much. Uh, that's like creating headlines or anything like. You know, a lot of guys do after they're right uh, after they retire, just to kind of keep their name out there. Uh, and Lynch, like not not that Lynch does, but like he was a broadcaster for a few years, and now obviously is the GM for the 49ers. So it's like it's not like anybody's forgetting about John Lynch and what he did. No, you know, like the only weird thing is like now you wonder like if the NFL would be quick to to celebrate guys who had their style of play. Because you, there's no linebackers that play like Steve Atwater or John Lynch now. Like that, it's just been legislated out of the game. Those guys would, I'm not saying those guys wouldn't be able to play. It's just like they would have to drastically change their style of play to fit yeah. today's NFL. No, that's, that's an interesting thing to think about. I was watching like Steve Atwater's highlights. Well, there's just like a, a handful of like some of his, you know, hard hits and, the one thing he even as hard as Steve Atwater hit, he still had really good form. Like yeah. it looked like he was hitting with his shoulder all of the time. And uh, you know, and I'm sure there's there's examples of him maybe not or him hitting guys in the fucking face. But the, what I saw, I was like, you know what, I think like these look violent, but they look like they look like legal hits to me. Um, yeah. I might be biased as well. The only like really violent one I think was in Super Bowl Thirty Two. <laughs> yeah, the one where he took out everybody. Took out all three. Him. Uh, yeah, I think it was like Antonio Freeman. And was Randy it Ray Hilliard. Crockett or? I guess Hilliard. Randy Hilliard. Yeah. Oh yeah, Hilliard, Atwater. They're all down. Uh, yeah, and like on the big stage. Atwater produced like he produced in that game. Yeah. He had a a strip sack of Brett Favre. So I think that's a big thing. If Champ Bailey doesn't get in, I think the one reason he doesn't is because he let uh, Ben Watson chase him down. (laughs) That's fair. If you're a corner. That's after he he picked off Tom Brady. (laughs) Yeah. If you're a corner and a tight end runs you down at the one yard line, I think that that's a knock. That's a knock on your career. Uh, Yeah. A little bit. I guess so. Look, and I think uh, at least like, it wasn't a touchback. No, but it was close. Like was I think, I, with today's refs, I would put that ball being called a touchback sixty percent of the time. And the Patriots, 
Yeah. yeah. No, it's eighty percent of the time. This was before uh-huh. people respected the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I guess we'll see. We'll have a video hopefully up on whoever whoever gets in. But uh, they all deserve to. John Lynch too. He only played for the Broncos for a few years. He's more of a yeah. Buccaneer than a Bronco. So that's another reason the other guys. Deserve. He is in the Ring of Fame though, which. I didn't realize until I went to the stadium this year. Yeah, that was a weird. Yeah. That was a kind of a controversial move here amongst the locals. Yeah, see, like it'd be one thing if you won a Super Bowl and he was like a big part of that defense, but I don't know. He was really good though, and uh, I think he like identifies with the organization a little bit more than he does the Buccaneers, just because. Because um, nobody wants to identify with Tampa. Yeah, I mean, what do you have to <laughs> identify with, like, other than the Super Bowl? It's like strip clubs. I don't know. Pirate ship, sure. Mm, pirate ships are cool uh, yeah so we're all i don't know i'm looking forward to hearing about that uh i think if they get two out of four that's a win because it's a huge win yeah that's a big win uh i think probably all four should be in eventually plus randy gratishar who by the way had <laughs> darius leonard led the led the league with 163 tackles this year randy gratishar averaged 200 tackles a year for 10 years so yeah that's insane just saying maybe uh hopefully one day yeah but he was just tackling running backs sure <laughs> none of us were alive he uh, was who really just cares? tackling running backs other uh big news though the broncos are very close to hiring tc mccartney from the 49ers to be their quarterbacks coach so uh i'm assuming that you know the significance behind T.C. McCartney and who he is. Yeah, he's uh, – I mean, there's there's uh, Colorado ties since he's the son of Paul McCartney, so. Yes. <laughs> Paul McCartney played at Red Rocks one time, and he knocked up uh, a Colorado woman. Right. And yeah, so that's basically – And I just read Peter Jackson is set to direct a Beatles documentary. Oh, which, when you think Peter Jackson, you think music documentaries. Yes. Um, 100%. So, it all, I mean, it's all coming together. I still got to see that Peter Jackson World War One documentary. Just to remind me. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. Um, so, yeah, the real story behind T.C. McCartney was back in the late 80s, uh, around 1990, when Bill McCartney – that's right. That's his first name, right? Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill McCartney was, <laughs> I always get that mixed up. Uh, the head coach of Colorado, very like uh, outwardly religious kind right. of guy, uh, but a good coach and a good guy. And Sal and Nessie, who was the starting quarterback for the Buffaloes, uh, impregnated Bill McCartney's daughter. And she had the child. And then, about a year later, Anessi uh, died of cancer, like a very aggressive form of cancer uh, by, I think, the 1991 season he was gone. And so T.C. McCartney is his son, uh, the late quarterback and the daughter of uh, Bill McCartney, who's his grandfather. Um, wow, so he's that's got a, crazy. Yeah, yeah no, uh, watch. If you haven't seen it, it's watch. That, there's uh, a 30 by 30, right? Yeah, the gospel according to Mac. Right. That's, I think, one of the best 30 for 30s. Uh, it'll explain the whole thing. If you watch that, you'll be like, this is an incredible story, uh, especially if they go through with it and, and hire him to be the quarterback's coach, which I hope they do. 
Um, yeah, what's he, he's an assistant with the 49ers yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you like the move with, like, Scandrello and uh, kind of bringing over some of the elements of that offense along with, uh, along with the offensive coordinator, I think, is a pretty wise move, especially to have, like, you know, a lot of diversity on that coaching staff. Not, not talking in terms of traditional diversity, but, like, football diversity in terms of, like, a defensive guy, like an older defensive guy as the head coach, and then some younger offensive-minded guys who were obviously uh, hot head coaching candidates. Not necessarily these guys, but uh, their type right. this offseason. So I think you get a, a good mix of both, and it, and it creates like a, a healthy, uh, good coaching staff. And, and by type, you mean 5'10", uh, Italian, offensive-minded yeah. uh, coaches. Talking about you. Five foot ten, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Are you offense? Do you think you're offensive minded or defensive minded? Um, what do you think about more? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. <laughs> probably, I probably would be a better offensive coach, although I always enjoyed playing defense more, mm. and I probably. I think about ways to stop the other teams more. Uh, I'm going to say you're defensive-minded then. Yeah, but I think my creativity would be wasted. I think offense, I could really draw up some some shit, man. Some X's and O's, like you wouldn't even believe. All right. We'll say you're offensive-minded. You're, you're, definitely, you're definitely offensive, so. Did I talk about the dream I had about Bill Belichick last time on the podcast? I don't think so, no. Oh, yeah. I had a dream about Bill That's Belichick, it. and I met him for okay. whatever reason, and it was uh, like the day of the Super Bowl, and we were like on this like deck, like patio deck overlooking a thing, and the first thing I said to him is that I, I, I hated him. <laughs> I said, I hate you. I don't like the way your team plays, but I respect that you always win. <laughs> and then uh, for some reason, like we started having like a really good conversation about football. And uh, I found out that his secret was <laughs> that before games, uh, he tended to his big garden that he had it. Ah. And we were just watering his garden while, <laughs> while talking about football. I don't know what don't that think, means. I don't think Bill Belichick has watered a plant in his life. I don't know, man. But uh, that's uh, – when you say, what do you think about more, that's the weird shit I think yeah. about. I That's funny you bring that. I had a dream last night that the Chiefs beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Oh. I was very upset. That could actually be yeah. – that could actually be the Super Bowl next year. I know, I know. Um, it's scary to think about. And, like, I realize, like, how uh, less stressed out I am these last two weeks because the Patriots are playing in the Super Bowl rather than the Chiefs. That just – that'd be pretty tough on me, I think. I'm, I'm used to the Patriots at this point, and obviously I didn't want to see either of them. But, like, the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl, that might be too much for me to handle. You become complacent. That's scary. I know. Yeah. We not to dip into that discussion again. I, th I think we exhausted that. Uh, yeah, I'll concur. Will.
<laughs> well, the Broncos do like, okay, so they get TC McCartney in to be their quarterback coach. Yeah. Still need a quarterback. Still need a quarterback. And the Drew the Drew Locke rumors are getting hotter. Yeah. Well, oh, they're heating they're up. Becoming a big thing, even on the national national media. Yep. And they're basically saying that like it's become like a running joke that Elway I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> that Elway is all all in on Drew Locke that it looks like if the Broncos have to trade up to get him, they might do that. Uh, that every time that uh, they watched Elway at the Senior Bowl, he was watching Drew Locke. I mean, it almost sounds like he's like a stalker scenario, but <laughs> he was seen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was seen in an adjacent hotel room, looking through uh, binoculars in between shades on the window. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, in the Drew Locke's uh, hotel room. So. I just wanted to say Drew Locke's name because I still don't think I've – I think I've only watched him throw three passes, and it was yeah, like the first I, – I watched – I actually watched – 60 uh, seconds of a YouTube highlight video. Part of the Senior Bowl on Saturday, and I can tell you that he mostly sucked. And okay, most of the good. quarterbacks sucked, uh, except for Daniel Jones, uh, for what it's worth. Is that, the, know, is that the guy from Duke? Yeah, that's the Duke guy. I really – I have no idea uh, – if the senior bowl means anything to anyone, uh, I think the practices probably mean more in general. I don't really care. I think, you know, what you put on tape in college is uh, really should be exhibit a, B and C when you're thinking about drafting a guy, especially quarterback. You know what they say, what you put on tape in college is the tape that you put on in college. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody says that. Definitely. Uh, yeah. You know, we were discussing it before the show, uh, how much of a fan I am of Drew Luck. Drew Luck, Drew Luck. I, I think I just wanted him to be Andrew Luck. Yeah, if his last name was Luck, I would be all in. Buddy, yeah. No, but not really, though. Luck? I really I really don't want the Broncos to take him. Uh, I think he's, like, one of those guys every year that um, becomes just, like, a, a media creation, a guy who probably shouldn't go in the first round, uh, and all of a sudden, like, He's kind of a fringe first-round guy, and then the more and more people talk about him and the more, like, they measure his hands and all that stupid shit, he becomes, like, a top-five player. And, like, you go from, like, the Broncos thinking, hmm, I wonder if this guy will be around the second round, too. We have to fucking trade up in the first round to get him. Never a good sign. Uh, the only time I can think of that actually working out is recently with Patrick Mahomes, and I think that's going to fuck over – uh, a lot of people um, going against the grain and taking guys that uh, have better like traits and skill sets than they do actual bodies of work in college. Right. And I think the other thing that's kind of like, concerning. the other thing that's concerning is, okay, so with Patrick Mahomes, you have Andy Reed trading up to get him. And yeah. you already know, like Andy Reed has a long um, track record of having success with his offenses and you assume he knows what kind of quarterback he wants to run his system mm -hmm. and they also had Alex Smith who yeah, still was sit for a year too was like you know one of the 10 to 15 best quarterbacks in the NFL so that's a really safe position to be in 
not only do the Broncos, not only is there uncertainty with Drew Locke, but you bringing in all these new coaches and sure you, you can, you can listen to as many people say like, uh, Scangarello was a huge part of all the quarterbacks developments at, at San Francisco. But what, what, what the fuck does that even mean? (laughs) We saw none of them play more than like seven straight games. (laughs) whether it's injury or, you know, whatever happening there. And, <clears throat> like, we don't have an offensive coordinator who's done what Andy Reid's done that long. So it's it's just a bunch of hearsay right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm good. I want to be optimistic about it, but, again. And we should also mention that the Chiefs were literally like uh... – uh, a team that had just won the AFC West and had a first round bye, and realized that like the only position we really need to upgrade is quarterback. Right. And the Broncos were six and ten after a year when they're five and eleven, and they have plenty of needs uh, on the defensive side. And there's a lot. There's three really good first round cornerbacks uh, that would be available at ten most likely. Uh, and there's other positions as well, like. And to, to zero in on a quarterback, uh, especially, you know, one of the, one of the more questionable cornerbacks, uh, if, it, if this is like Dwayne Haskins or something, I, I think I'd have a different opinion. But, like, the fact that it's just, like, such a question mark uh, and you're just passing up on guys that are, like, probably going to be uh, solid starters to pro bowlers in the NFL for a guy who could, you know, He's not going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I threw up when I heard Mahomes' comparisons to Drew Locke. And uh, (laughs) he's somewhere in between that and Paxton Lynch. Uh, And the scale is probably tipping more towards the Lynch side uh, with every passing day. It's just – it's just – it's very concerning. And I I really just hope it's a smokescreen at this point. Yeah, I mean, I – it would be it would be a smooth move if it was a smoke screen. Um, if the Broncos traded up and took Dwayne Haskins, yeah, what would what what would your reaction be? I think I'd be okay with it. Uh, I don't love trading up just in general, uh, but if like you really think that's your guy, and you've got a guy like Drew or fucking hell. Dwayne Haskins, who actually uh, played well in college, as opposed to Drew Locke. You know, I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, and, and what? Obviously, you've got the 49ers at two, who they've got a relationship with. So very sexy relationship with. I think I would be much more excited about Haskins. I would. Say. I know very little about both, uh, but is I mean, Locke's obviously a senior. Haskins really only played what one full year. year. Yeah, he's young, so he fifty touchdowns that year. So yeah, exactly. One of the Rose Bowl. Not bad. Yeah, um, and not not a ton of picks either. So yeah, fifty touchdowns in fewer games, considerably fewer games than Patrick Mahomes too. Yeah, if you trade up say, ahead of years. what the Giants is that who they have the Broncos have to worry about picking pretty, your quarterback? Pretty, yeah, the Giants and the Jaguars. Oh yeah, the Jags. Yeah. Okay. Who knows? So, one of them could get Nick Foles and then call it a day. 
Uh, yeah, but before we even really start thinking about that, we'll uh, we'll do free agency. In the next yes. couple of weeks, I want to do like five defensive free agents that the the Broncos should try and target, and like five offensive free agents. And I want to try and look at because uh, you can just you know pick the top free agent at safety at corner at linebacker and say the Broncos should get them, but see if there are some you know. Under the radar guys, Sneaky. guys like yeah, guys like Darian Stewart when they signed right. Darian Stewart from Baltimore in 2015. Yeah, that was, was huge. Like, didn't cost anything, and he ended up being the guy that pretty much put the defense over the edge. Yeah, and it that came the the year after, you know, they yeah. they landed Ware, Ward, Sanders, Tlaib. and yeah. Talib. So I would really like one of those big splash years. You might need your quarterback before you can do that, but we'll take a look at all of that stuff. Uh, ton to think about, but let's move into the Super Bowl because it is Super Bowl. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do did, it. You, did you watch a lot of media night? No. I, uh, I caught clips and highlights of it. It's called, yeah, opening night. Uh, I watched a lot of the Rams Q&A, whatever, press conference nonsense. Uh, I have to say, the the part where the Rams are finishing up their media availability and the Patriots are starting theirs, and they have, like, them come to the same stage and, like, shake hands, uh, I hate it. I, it's the worst <laughs> thing I've seen. Like, I know they had uh, – when the Broncos went to the Super Bowl in uh, 2015, uh, all I remember was – like DeMarcus Ware and Luke Keekley got interviewed next to each other. And that was like the only uh, fraternization between the two teams that I noticed. There might've been more. Uh, and even that made me uncomfortable. I, I hate it. Like they had Jared Goff and Tom Brady next to each other. And then Devin McCourty and Keith Tlaib and then Sean McVay with Bill Belichick. And it just makes me so fucking uncomfortable. Like seeing them try to like uh, not say the wrong thing around each other and try to, like, act nice when they're about to be uh, ripping each other's heads off, uh, sometimes literally in the case of Aqib Tlaib, <laughs> six days from then. Like, it's just so weird. And you wouldn't do it any other week out of the year. Like, I don't know why you are now. You know what would be cool? You know how you, know how you can make the Super Bowl better? And this, this goes into part of your plan where okay. you keep these all the, the players away from each other it's and I don't know how you do this, Will, but make it so the teams who are playing in the Super Bowl don't know who their opponent is. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like or uh, I, I uh, you could it's like you one could, of those reality you could, shows. You could do it for the the championship games where uh, you just yeah. forget about AFC NFC. And the teams don't know who they're playing until oh, that's interesting. the night before, and they have to fly to their destination. <laughs> so you get, like, any of three teams. Yeah. So, like, that's for the ch- championship game, a lot. the Patriots could have played the Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your home team. And then I think what that could do is you take away the advantage of uh, the Patriots always being better at game planning. And then come game day, you just figure out who has the better players. That's pure football. Yeah. But it would be really hard to figure out how to make that work for the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know, man. Just like keep them sequestered. Like, uh, 
you know, like the OJ jury. And yeah, like, and yeah, keep them away from civilization. Unless you I think it would work. Like oh, how could you do it? You'd have to just give whoever had the the best record and then you, you figure out tie breaking. Well, yeah, first of all, we cut it down to one week in between. Yeah. Um well I, if you're doing the Super Bowl, not the conference championship. Obviously it's already one week. Right. Yeah, no, I'm on board hundred percent. You just one team gets to to go to the the whoever is the best team through the NFL season that guy that team gets to go to the Super Bowl and then um, you can figure out who their opponent will be yeah. and keep it secret somehow. Imagine anyway, if I'll you think like, about it imagine if you game plan for like the Saints and Drew Brees and then like they blindfold you and fly you to the stadium and. <laughs> You just you look up and it's Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Oh yeah, that'd be sweet. That's how the play. Oh, maybe you could do the whole playoffs that way. Yes. And you fly. It's like the like uh, college basketball, and they're all just like it's in Atlanta the whole time. Yeah. So they like all go there. Yeah, yeah. And so each week, so Wild Card Weekend is in one city. Then the divisional. Uh, the divisional in the next, and then yeah. the championships in a, a final city. And each time, it's just like a you don't know who you're going to face. That's how you do it. That's, that's that's football, baby. The Patriots. All right, we're leaving out the part where the Patriots would find out who they're playing illegally and game plan for them. Yeah, somehow the Patriots would just determine which teams actually play each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's where this whole plan falls apart. Other than that, I think it's foolproof. It's a really good idea to make um, football better. What did you think about Nikel Roby Coleman basically saying that age has taken a toll on Tom Brady and people freaking out about it? Blowing it up? Um, yeah. I liked it, I guess. I don't really care. He liked walked back from, his comments the yeah. next day. I wish he would have just like doubled down on him. Uh, but I think the point you were – leading to in the prediction episode mm-hmm. is I totally agree with like doesn't like you can't be more motivated to play the Super Bowl than you already are if I would imagine like if if that comment was the one thing that made Brady go you know what I wasn't gonna study film Wednesday night but now I think I might said, since he called me old I'm gonna put in two hours of tape study on on Coleman specifically, <laughs> that I don't know. Like that's the only thing I can think of is like he just might target him more. But like I don't. I think he's probably thinking about targeting him a lot, anyways. Like I think he's going to target him and Marcus Peters over yeah. and over. And I would hope he targets him more than Peters because Coleman's a pretty good nickel corner. Yeah, I think so. he's better than Peters. <laughs> Do you think? Okay, so Marcus Peters takes chances in games, yeah. right? And I think uh, it's hard to take chances against the Patriots' offense. But I also think, like, sometimes defenses are intimidated. Somet- yeah, sometimes you have to. Like, yeah. Is, is Peters, like, I feel like he could make a game-changing play because he takes mm-hmm. a chance. And one reason Aqib Tlaib has so many pick sixes is because he's a smart football player. Has he uh, has he Talib'd anyone this year? Like full uh, the full Talib? Uh, I don't know. Just like I don't, picks like pick and then a super long run back. 
I don't. Hmm. I, it's got to happen. It's hurt it so early. It happens yeah. once a year. You know, it's got to happen. One of those guys, I feel like, has got to make one of those kind yeah. of plays. Yeah. Um, yep. Whether it's going to be, you know, like Brady thinks he has Edelman on the the crossing route and somebody jumps the the fucking pattern. Mm-hmm. Or the route, sorry, the route. And Basically like that Robert Alfred pick in the Super Bowl 51. Right. Or when, you know, Von Miller dropped into coverage and picked him in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Get Aaron Donald uh, dropping, uh, jumping James White for a pick. Could be uh, Ebucam. I mean, he did oh, that to yeah. Mahomes in the the highlight game. I don't know. Yeah, just... I remember on media night, uh, Tom Brady called him Ekibon, like Ebenezer Ekibon. <laughs> like, dude, you are old. <laughs> Man, I hated playing against old Ebenezer. Can't believe he's still in the league. The great Browns defensive lineman. Really going to be worried about Elvis Dumerville as well. Yeah. Courtney Brown coming off the edge. Buddy, look out. The Browns. The Browns. Mike Brown Shanahan's uh, worst moves, bringing in the, the Browns defense. Gerard Warren. The Browns are getting rid of all these guys? Fuck it. I'll take them. Yeah, why not? Uh... Make it work. Do you think – who do you think is going to have who – who's going to have more passing yards, Goff yeah. or Brady? Uh, that's interesting because I talked about this in the prop bets episode that we're going to do. Right. Uh, and Brady has thrown for – he threw for about 360 in the Seahawks Super Bowl, threw for I think 470 in the Falcons Super Bowl, and then threw 505 last year in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I think you have to take Brady. Um, I, yeah, I, I think like especially when they get into the second half, like I think they're gonna realize like we're just gonna start throwing nearly every play if it's close, and I, that's kind of what they did last year. Got away a little bit from the run, and I, I think if it's close, like that's their default mode. Whereas if it's close for the Rams, like that's where they kind of want to be, and that's like if they're able to hand the ball off uh like to create either a, a balanced uh play sheet between pass and run or like even slightly uh unbalanced in favor of the run like i think they're in a good spot uh so ideally for the rams you don't want goff to have too many yards i think if he gets 400 like that's probably a bad sign yeah, uh, yeah you're probably right a couple like huge plays uh, I think what's more important probably for either of them is like you don't want to surpass 50 attempts. I'll agree with I think, that. Yeah, I think if Goff throws like more than 40 times, uh, good chance the Rams lost. Brady, yeah. who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting because – and this is like <laughs> – this is the most cliche football thing to say. But I think the reason both of these teams – are in the Super Bowl this season is because uh, their offensive lines and defensive lines have sort of controlled, dominated games. Um, The Rams' offensive line, not so much against the Saints, but the Saints have a pretty good defensive front. But I will be curious to see if the Patriots try and stick with their rush-first sort of offensive attack because – it worked against the Chargers and it worked against the Chiefs. 
and I just think they have they just have a big, strong offensive line, a good fullback, and three running backs that they they sort of keep each guy fresh with, and they all can do different things a little bit better. But I can also see like the Rams offensive line controlling, you know, the 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 Patriots defense and Todd Gurley and CJ Anderson doing what they did against the Cowboys. So I just feel like whoever's whichever one of those units play better is going to give their team the sort of the edge to win. Yeah. Um, I just don't know who it's going to be. Question for you, uh, going back to Marcus Peters, because like, I think he's really interesting during this game. So I think Brady will probably try to target him a lot. And uh, I think depending on what Peters does in this game, like, I think that could determine uh, a lot of the outcome. If you were Wade Phillips or Sean McVay, would you tell him to, to play more conservative uh, just in this game? Or would you not even like try to mess with it and just like tell him to like, do what you've been doing all year. And if you get burned, you get burned. Uh, but we'd rather you not just, like, play conservatively and get picked apart, you know, death by paper cuts, fire right. outs to Edelman and whatever. Uh, if I, you give up a big play, you give up a big play, but, you know, you might get a, you know, you might get a big play for the defense. Like, you might pick off a pass, whatever. Yeah, I think if I know Wade Phillips, which on a personal level I do not. Not yet. Uh, I think he's just going to tell – I think he's going to have his players do what they've done all year. I think I, – I don't think Wade, Wade's scared to have his players just try to play to their strengths. I don't know if he's necessarily scared to kind of give up a big play. And I think Peters has more flexibility with Aqib Tlaib in the lineup. So – the problem is just figuring out which guy you need to lead sort of to be on in, in the yeah. Patriots offense. Yeah, because you don't know if it's Gronkowski or Edelman or Hogan. Uh, I'd yeah. say any three of those guys kind of make sense. Right, and it's I think that's what's going to be interesting. Uh, athletically, I think Marcus Peters matches up with Julian Edelman better than Aqib Tlaib does. But yeah. you also have – I mean, that's going to be Coleman's sort of job anyway. Um, it just it, – it, yeah. well, you know, yeah, it'll you, probably well, be like the the Patriots – Brady throws two touchdown passes to Corderell Patterson, who finishes the day with like 130 receiving yards. Like, yeah, no, it'll probably be like Rex Burkhead this time. <laughs> yeah. Like James Devlin catches three touchdowns, he knows. But I, I would try to – I mean – I would have Peters do what he's done well. And he's typically made his picks against, like, good quarterbacks. I feel like right. he did it against Manning. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't trust him to be consistent through the whole game. But Holmes this year. Yeah. So, it'll – I don't know. I think Wade – what do you think of Belichick's comments about Wade Phillips? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, about? yeah. I didn't think they were, like uh, – he didn't really, like, say anything nice about him. <laughs> No, it's just like he's never he's changed like, yeah, his defense ever. Yeah, it's been that defense for 30 years. And Wade's like, oh, actually, it's been 40 years. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's I think when you get that old, too, like, you're just – you're not fucking scared to lose a football game. You know no, what you know. No, yeah, no, especially that he finally won a Super Bowl. Uh, after 
after whatever 35 40 years of coaching like right he's playing with house money in terms of his career uh everything is set in stone the fact that he's in the super bowl uh yeah no i, I think he's probably gonna play balls to the wall and like that's he drew up the perfect game plan uh against the patriots in 2015 yeah and if there's anybody like obviously they don't have the same uh their defense is not up to that unit but i'd say like on a as a you know on a pure talent level like they're not that far behind that team on defense like they haven't played up to the broncos to 2015 level of defense but, like they have guys that could all have huge games we know about donald uh sue's had two really good games in the playoffs uh peters of course talib is literally you know the guy from the 2015 broncos defense uh, i don't know if you have the same <clears throat> versatility at linebacker like uh, yeah. maybe Corey Littleton is like the guy like Trevathan that can cover a tight end. Um, I don't know if it's quite as good, but I, I think they have like enough good pieces to the, uh, to the point where if everybody plays well, then, you know, they could hold the Patriots to 20 points. Yeah. I think the biggest difference between like Wade's 2015 defense with the Broncos and, and the Rams is, you're one linebacker, so that's Brandon Marshall is better than uh, Barron. Um, and then your your play from your safeties. Uh, John Johnson is a pretty good safety. He's also like – he's tiny. He's like the smallest defensive player yeah. in the NFL. And the Broncos had, you know, Darren Stewart playing great football, TJ Ward, and um, – until he got hurt, David Bruton was like an excellent reserve safety for, for that team that season. And unfortunately, he didn't get to play in the postseason. But uh, I think like that's where maybe there's a little bit of, uh, of weakness on that defense. And yeah. then inexplicably, like why they have sucked against the run so much this season with the amount of like beef they do have on the defensive line. Yeah, I'm just saying like you could get – like you could see a scenario where Aaron Donald has two sacks and maybe three quarterback hits and Sue has like whatever, a, a tackle and a half for loss and another quarterback hit and Dante Fowler has a sack and Tlaib has yeah, a good for, game I always forget about that Fowler's there. Yeah. Uh, maybe Brockers does something and stuffs the run a little bit. Um yeah, I think Ebucom gets a turnover, whatever. Like you could see all these guys having good individual games. Like uh, they don't always put it together at the same time, but if they did, it, you know, and the Super Bowl obviously can uh, bring the best out of some guys individually. And if they like a few guys just have like really above average games, like that's all the Rams I think need. Yeah, and I think physically they match up better against the Patriots than, you know, the the Chiefs' defensive front and, and the Chargers' defensive front. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing from the Broncos' 2015 season, I mean, they they had seven sacks in the Super Bowl against Cam Newton. Yeah. So I, don't I, don't think think, gonna, I don't think they're going to do that. If they do sack Brady seven times after he had been sacked zero times uh, this entire postseason – I'll give the game. I'll give the game to the Rams. Yes, I'm comfortable saying that too. Uh, but I thought a, a really good point you brought up is special teams um, in this game. 
Yeah. And that both teams have pretty, pretty damn good special teams units uh, with the Rams with, you know, Greg Zerline with Hecker being able to punt and do fake punts. Uh, the Patriots special teams is always good. Patterson has been the best kick returner this league. Julian Edelman is probably the most reliable punt returner in the game. And that's the, the difference that could cost the Rams a game is yeah. uh, who's there? Jojo Natson, seven mm-hmm. punt returner. And versus like, I mean, Julian Edelman, he just never, you rarely see him but muff a punt. And he almost did. The closest he got was was last game. And it magically did not touch his hands. Uh, But I thought that was, like, I thought that was probably, if we were a real football show on a real network, people would say, that's a really smart point, Will. That's a very smart point. Thank you. Um, I want to go back to the defense really quick and then point (laughs) out, uh, well, no, I think you covered it on special teams. Like, Yeah, no, top defense. You could say is, like, the Patriots have kind of screwed up in like big games on special teams with their extra points. Uh, Goskowski or whoever it was Ryan Allen mishandled one uh, last year in the Super Bowl, which made it an eight point game instead of a seven point game, which was obviously significant. Uh, and then in 2015 in the AFC championship game, Goskowski just missed. So, you know, they're not perfect uh, no. in that category. Um, and that's, I don't know. That's all you can really say. Cause other than that, like they're pretty close to even. Yeah. Um, on the defensive side for the Rams too. And I think one thing that you can look at and say, this is something they give you better than the chargers and the chiefs could give you is the chargers and the chiefs, their strength was both from the edge. Yeah. You have Houston and D Ford and then Bosa and Ingram who are all for the most part playing on the edge and the Rams strength conversely, not that they're weak on the edge because Fowler's good. Uh, and occasionally they'll put, um, Brockers on the outside. Brockers in the three tech. Uh, no, uh, Donald in the nose, and then uh, er, and Sue as the five tech as the three four defensive end. Uh, but they're so much stronger in the middle than the last two teams yeah. that the Patriots played. That I think that's a significant difference in terms of scheme uh, and in terms of getting to Brady because it's so hard to get to him from the outside. Uh, it's much easier just because he gets rid of the ball so quick. Like uh, the outside rush is mostly nullified. The best way to get to him is just in a straight line, like the shortest possible distance from point A to point B. And that's, you know, right up the middle uh, because he's not, you know, <laughs> he's not taking huge drops and he's not booting out like Russell Wilson. He's either, you know, in the gun, uh, dropping back a couple of steps and then when the outside rush does come, if the ball isn't out already, which it usually is, he'll step up and like shuffle up to the front of the pocket and then throw. But if you can collapse the pocket from the inside, uh, and obviously everybody talks about it, that it's much easier said than done, but it has been done before. Um, I always bring up Terrence Knight in the 2013 playoff game, and then, uh, and then Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf did it too. Yeah, and even it Sylvester really Williams was yeah. like – he played his best season in 2015, Sylvester Williams, mm-hmm. for the Broncos. And, like, you think about even a game that the Patriots won. Uh, Grady Jarrett was the reason that the, the Patriots were down 28-3 to for the most part. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's that – like, again, that's the 
the Patriots line going against, uh, I just think more physical players that the Rams have at, at those positions. And not only is it like something that can disrupt Tom Brady in the passing game, it can disrupt the, the run game for the Patriots. That's been so good through the playoffs. Yeah. If, all you know, suddenly like you can't run when you want to, that changes things for, for new England. Um, and let's, let's not forget that they used a lot of luck against the chiefs. They did. I mean, Brady almost getting sacked, just throws it out. And James white does like a one eighty to turn around and catch it with one hand. You got Edelman, not touching it. You've mm-hmm. got the, the D Fords offsides. I mean, that is a lot of luck. Chris Hogan catch. Chris Hogan catch. I mean, yeah. Getting they the might ball in overtime. Feel like they only got one luck. They're only going to get one lucky. I don't know. Like the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't you know. think that you would say that about most teams? Uh, and then you have to remember it's the Patriots, right? So who knows? Like they could just get two games where everything goes their way again. Yeah, the Rams got a lot of luck too against the they Saints. Did. They did get some luck too. So I think either way you spin it, like you could say, like, well, the Rams lose, their luck ran out. The Patriots lose, their luck ran out. Who knows? Yeah. It all comes down to luck. It all comes down it to might. who Andrew Luck is rooting for, you know? Yeah. That's what we say every year. For the Rams. That's what we say every year when we do um, our Super Bowl. Really quick, so I know we don't have, like, probably a ton of time, but, like, uh, we started working on our prop bets video. Right. Did I know you took a look over it. Yeah. Do any of those uh, jump out to you as super interesting prop bets that you want to talk about before we do the video? uh let me open it because you know my memory will is <laughs> it's so good dog shit where oh, oh yeah let's throw out a couple now like uh the first one i think i mentioned was cj anderson at 16 to 1 odds to win mvp which i like just being able to like throw down ten dollars uh, on a ticket for cj anderson right no i think i mean I think that's a really smart bet because he could just he could just have 130 yards and yeah, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, let's see here, I, the McVeigh's age thing. I think that's a slam dunk. Like it has to be. Here's the question, though: like Tony Romo and Jim Nance are going to be aware of these things. <laughs> Even if you're aware of it, like I'm sure they are aware of it that like it gets brought up like all the time and like people are sick of hearing it. Oh, if you, could still if get you to are aware easily. of it, yeah. What can anything stop Tony Romo from uh, placing that bet on his own behalf? Could he could he bet like ten thousand dollars on the over and then do it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think i think it's a little unethical for uh broadcasters to bet Can, on the games that they're calling especially when one of the prop bets directly relates to them um can maroon five bet on the number of songs they're gonna play i don't think <laughs> Adam so Levine. i don't know man i don't think so um no i, I think, think you're yeah that i won't give away your best joke on this one uh i don't even know what it is um, it's it's already been fucking uh, ripped off on NFL 
memes and other bullshit, but of course. Let's see. Uh, let's see here. Okay, we already talked about it. Will any quarterback throw for 400 yards in the game? Uh, no is minus 450. So you've got eh, yes, plus 275. Pretty decent value, especially given the fact that Brady's thrown for 400 in the last two Super Bowls. Yeah, I think there's money to be made here. If you're betting for it, yeah. Um, First touchdown's always interesting. Yeah. I think I pointed out James White plus 900 is good odds. Uh, If you want to, like, I think a a nice little, uh, you know, two-pronged bet here is if you want to bet 16-to-1 odds that C.J. Anderson wins MVP, then you have to do the bet. Uh, There's actually two bets that you could do along with that, and that's C.J. Anderson having – uh, over four, 45 rushing yards and then over 55 and a half uh, combined rushing and receiving yards. Oh. So if he's winning Super Bowl MVP, he's got, you know. Yeah, you might as well just like triple down on your. Most likely going over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to place some of those tomorrow. Yes. Uh, another interesting one. Will the, ro- will the roof be open for kickoff? Uh, I tried to do some research into this. I know. And <laughs> I'm still stumped. I, Wait, you've I, so got I, it broken down to even how long it takes to open the roof. Yeah. 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 Cause, yeah. Cause they, I found out they are doing a flyover. Um, right. And the roof is retractable. Uh, it just comes down Arctic, to, cause they do the flyover. This Arctic vortex yeah. really making this dicey for you. It Will. is. Cause it's like, it's going to be 60 degrees though. It's going to be like unseasonably, not unseasonably, but like um, warmer than it has all week in Atlanta for the yeah. game. Uh, so you think they might do it, but like when they do the flyover, it's at the end of the national anthem. And I was trying to figure out how much time exactly is between the national anthem and the kickoff. Ooh. And I feel like it might just be eight minutes and 10 seconds. And yeah. they would just like, they've probably got it lined up perfectly, you know? I think you're right. I think they've got enough time to. In the national anthem, let yeah. the flyover happen, and then let the roof close. Go to, yeah, go to commercial, let the roof close. By the time the ball's kicked off, things shut close. Well, we'll see if we can find any more interesting ones for the episode, but uh, prop bets, like if you're not interested in the Super Bowl, it makes it one of the most – It makes watch, if you're not a football person, it makes watching it a lot more fun. Yeah. How do you like to watch the Super Bowl? Do you place any bets? Do you like squares? Anything like that? Uh, I did squares for the longest time, and then and you can do I you can do that on uh, like my bookie. So I might do squares, um, but now it's like since I'm so focused on taking notes and trying to figure out. If I should do an episode that night or the next day, or are the Patriots going to lose? Are they really going to lose? Are they really going to lose? <laughs> like that's, for this game, like oh, I don't yeah. need to, yeah, I know. to bet on anything because I will want the Patriots to lose so bad that that'll be interesting enough to me. Um, but if it were say, uh, I don't know. Let's say if it, were, if it was like the, the Ravens in the, saints like right i'm gonna probably want some of those things to make it interesting yeah that's another thing it's like uh there are a lot of people that like it's a big like drinking night and 
I don't know, man. I think football is the greatest drug of all. And uh, get high on football the super, all like, the time. This, I could see, like, you know, drinking in a regular season game is appealing. I don't think it's the same for the Super Bowl. Like, I, I you just don't need it. And, like, obviously do whatever you want. But, like, uh, the betting and everything, like, I just – like, it's a game. It's the biggest game of the year. It's like if you can't get motivated to play the Super Bowl, like, what are you doing? If you can't get motivated to watch the Super Bowl, what are you doing? Yeah. What if it's – At that point. If it's close in the second half, it's basically like – Yeah. I have basically just like two Caveat hours. a blowout. Everything changes. Yeah. If I have – if it's close, I have like just adrenaline pumping through me for oh, yeah. hours. Like, I'm a nervous yeah. fucking wreck. Oh, yeah. And it's, it was that way. I mean, it's basically been that way the last four Super Bowls because mm-hmm. I wanted the Patriots to lose and the Broncos were there. So I yeah. wanted the Broncos to win. And it's just it like, was weird. Like, uh, yeah, obviously, like you and I, like, uh, we were probably both nervous wrecks in Super Bowl 50. But, like, I think a lot of people thought that was a boring game uh, who were unattached. I thought that was like a really close game, especially yeah. because, like, that second strip sack happened when the Panthers were down six. Like everybody that like watched that game from a neutral point of view, or like that's kind of a bummer of a game. Yeah, the Broncos just kicked it. Like the whole time, I was like, "There's not a big enough lead here." Yeah, I'm comfortable. I was, yeah, I was on pins and needles the whole time. Yeah, and what's sad is like at halftime of the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl, my friend and I were like, "Atlanta's not far enough ahead to feel good about the second half." No. <laughs> And it was the worst, worst, worst correct prediction of our lives. Not great. Um, yeah. But, okay, so final prediction. We can take to win this game. And did you ever tally up our, our totals? Or we'll do that. I'm not. I'm going to tally it up once we're done uh, <laughs> and I'm done putting it off. Because uh, <laughs> I have to go back in, like, some episodes and actually do some math. <laughs> um, I'll have that next week. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll, why, yeah, that we'll tally it week. up when it's not complete, obviously. Um, but yeah, for my prediction, I thought about it. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams. I like, And I'm not saying that just because I, it's wishful thinking. Like, This is a 13-3 and team versus an 11-5 and team when it comes down to it. Uh, the Rams, I think, have been more talented all season. Um, if you look at the quarterback numbers, like Jared Goff played better than Tom Brady this season. Uh, and, yeah, the Patriots played two good playoff games. Uh, beat the hell out of the Chargers at home. Fine. Uh, outlasted the Chiefs on the road. That was an impressive win. Uh, I think the Saints have had – or, the sorry, the Rams have had two impressive wins in the postseason of their own. Uh, I think we kind of forget just because it's the mighty Patriots. Like, this, this has been a better team all year. Uh, and I don't think that's being brought up enough that like from start to finish and especially because like the Rams had that lull kind of like four fifths through the season, uh, people sort of wrote them off. Uh, not like the Patriots were written off, of course, um, naturally the huge underdog Patriots. Uh, but I think they kind of get slept on as being one of the elite teams from the season, uh, and obviously, they have the best record in the NFL at 13-3. and three. I think they win. I think it's a close game. Whenever the Patriots play in the Super Bowl, it's a close game. I don't expect it to change. I think it's going to be 
a little lower scoring than people would expect. Uh, I'm going to go with 24 to 21. Ooh. Rams. Okay. Super Bowl MVP, Todd Gurley. Oh, shit. I think, I think Todd Gurley is due to have a big game. Yeah. Um, well, I guess he, I, he had a pretty good big game against the Cowboys. But I just feel like the Saints was such a disappointment for him. I feel like he's going to be a, a big factor for the Rams. So I agree there. I agree the Rams can win this game. But I feel like if I pick them to win, that guarantees that they won't. Um, I think it'll be close, like you said. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick the Patriots just because that's the only chance I can give the Rams. But also, I feel like they're gonna win it. I just feel like they're gonna taunt. It's like it's a personal vendetta, and they're gonna taunt me, even though they 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 don't know they're directly taunting me. They're gonna taunt. They know. They know. Bill Belichick is aware of that dream you had. Oh, he is. Yeah. He, he put that dream in my head. Yeah, I think so. I think he accepted <clears throat> it in, into your brain. He knows I know how to beat a Wade Phillips defense. Mm-hmm. But does he, he know how to beat Goff? That's what we're going to find out. That's the real question. <laughs> and if we, we can keep that joke alive for one more week. Yep, we will have done our jobs. I'll be so happy. And then – at that point, if the Patriots win, we can also exploit them, take their money, and sell blue and red beating golf shirts. Exactly. With clown noses on them. Yes. And a score. A score from the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the Fox like scoreboard. Uh, right. Even though it was on CBS. Right. Perfect. <laughs> okay, qu- one last question for you, though, because you took the Patriots. I assume that means you think Tom Brady's going to be the MVP uh, in that case. What would uh, the Patriots winning – how, what would someone else have to do to win MVP over Brady? Because, <laughs> like, James uh, White scored – James White was the best player in Super Bowl 51, and he couldn't get it. Yeah, I don't know. The, I mean, Trey Flowers would have to have, like, a Von Miller-level performance, like a couple strip sacks. Uh, what Von Miller only had two and a half sacks in that game. Were both of Miller's plays strip sacks, though? Or is it just the one? No, both of them. Okay. Yeah, that's Trey Flowers got to have two strip sacks. And Trey Flowers probably has to return one of those for a touchdown. And the yeah, Patriots probably. have to win seven to zero. <laughs> Trey Flowers has to be the only person to score for the Patriots. Like Brady, Brady didn't play that well in the conference championship game. But like, if that game was a Super Bowl, they'd probably give him MVP. Oh, totally. With like a one to two touchdown interception ratio. People were gushing about how Even well Sonny he Michelle, like had a hundred yards and two touchdowns for the second yeah. straight week. They were gushing about how Brady throwing the ball in the fourth quarter in overtime, and it was like yeah. most underwhelming, predictably like I don't know, just wasn't I? So Sony Michelle or James White would have to have over two hundred yards of offense in all like. All the Patriots touchdowns. And then Belichick cuts them. Like yeah. 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 Who are the Patriots cutting the night before the game? <laughs> this uh, year? That would be a good prop bet. Yeah. Oh, that would be good. Who gets benched? Let's see. Bill Belichick benches Aqib Tlaib. <laughs> Somehow Sean McVay just lets him do it. That's That would text him to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh, that would have been good. Your virus joke. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's the Super Bowl podcast. That's good sports episode. You anything else, Will? Have you vented? No. Enjoy. Enjoy the game. Have a fun time watching the Super Bowl. Uh, fuck you, Tom Brady. Ooh. Fuck the Patriots. Yeah, so. I can't. I can't say that because it's obviously bad luck. But uh, if they lose, you better believe I will. <laughs> and if they win. No. Yeah. Probably even more if they win. <laughs> <laughs>